My name is Brian, for those of you who don't know me, and my wife Rina, we got three kids, Nathanael, Angeline, no, Angeline, Nathanael, Danny, and uh, we live in Puerto Cortez, Honduras. We were here last year. Anybody, was anybody here last year? Oh, good. Good, I'm going to share the same message. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we can all go home. Uh, and we run a technical school uh, in Puerto Cortez, and it's, it's, a, it's, it's a technical school, but it's a ministry. And, and it's kind of hard to explain it sometimes, you know, how do you get ministry with technical school? But everything we do is about Jesus and giving him space when we're on campus. And so we do classes, but we also do Bible studies. Um, and then we go back to classes or sometimes we go to prayer and we pray for the sick when they come to class. And, uh, and we throw big parties and we celebrate Jesus with them. Um, and it's all kind of mixed in. So that they can see the Christian life lived out in us and, and hopefully desire that as well and start their Christian life uh, living in them or with Christ living in them. Um, I brought some slides just so you can see some of the highlights of this year, 2000, not this year, last year, 2019. Um, but Mission Church sent a team down to our ministry in August and some of you, where's Jeff? I thought I saw, there you are. Jeff was there. He had a shocking experience uh, hanging drywall, and we electrocuted him <laughs> by accident. And uh, But the second level that we've been in construction with for the last three years, Mission Church gave us that huge boost and let us, let us finish the building. So we're starting 2020 with this space down at the bottom. You see it. Um, just a beautiful hall that we can use for our big events. We're having orientation in, in one hour as soon as this service ends. Um, we have 115 students that are at orientation, and it'll be the first time on campus and to hear what we do. Uh, so we're very excited about that. Thank you for participating and supporting that, uh, that construction. We also, oh, there's the pictures. So we had, in November, we, we dedicated the, the hall to the Lord, and we had a big party with Thanksgiving, and over 100 people came to Thanksgiving. And we do it potluck style, so it's it's turkey and, and then whatever plate I can try to do that's traditional, and then a whole bunch of Honduran food, and it's awesome. You're all invited to Thanksgiving if you want to come. Uh, this year we also purchased vehicles, uh, which I'm so sorry we didn't have these vehicles when you were there, Jeff. Jeff got to see our old vehicle, the 1996 beat up Toyota pickup, which. Um, I thought I'd miss I don't miss it at all. <laughs> I'm so glad it's gone. But uh, Jeff drove it. Uh, did you drive it? Angela. Angela drove it. Yeah, she can attest. Ask her about it. It was, it was, I figured God gave us that car because the mechanics needed something to work on every week. And, and I was just like, why us? Couldn't, couldn't Will have a car like that or is it somebody else? I don't know. But uh, we got these vehicles and the bus we're using now for transportation and that's been on our hearts for a long time to help with transportation, getting students to our facility because we're not in the center of town. We're out in a neighborhood in the jungle. And many of our students come from two hours away by bus to get to their classes. And we want to try to cut that time uh, for them and get them there in a, uh, quicker. So uh, our son, Brian, he's the chauffeur. He's driving the bus for everybody. And then we also celebrated 10 years doing ministry, which kind of crept up on us. We weren't even thinking about it. And all of a sudden, we're like, hey, this is our 10th year. We started 2009. And then 
uh, we had a big party. We rented out the best restaurant in town. We went to Pizza Hut. And we said, can we come in here? First time they'd ever rented out the whole restaurant, too. It was amazing. And we filled it with current students and old students and, and teachers who had helped us start the ministry many years ago and maybe moved on. Everybody's able to come back and celebrate with us and share stories. We had photos all over the place. We have a book where people wrote their testimonies and experiences. It was, uh, it was a great time. And Danny Rourke is the other accomplishment. Uh, Rena's accomplishment, and he was born November 2nd, um, and we're so, so happy, so proud to have him. He's our third accomplishment now, like I said, and we have Angie and Nathanael, so hopefully you get to meet him after the service. And, uh, and we also had, we had 11 people come to Christ this, this year, and this is kind of an example. This is from our our, um, our end of the semester party. So, so two parties that we do every year by faith to, to celebrate the students and getting through a semester, which is a big deal in Honduras. And then, uh, and then also if we have graduates who have gone through all the semesters, uh, we graduate them at this party. But we also have worship. We also have a guest speaker. We also pray for the friends and families that come to do this party with us. And then in the middle of like the tug of war and, and the tag and the other activities that we have, we also do baptisms. And we were able to baptize Dennis and, and Jeffrey, who was an English student. Den- Dennis is our mechanic teacher. And, uh, and if you wanted to hear, I shared Je- Jeffrey's testimony at the benefit. There's also some books out back. And if you want to get a book, his testimony's in there. He wrote it out for us. And it's a beautiful, beautiful story. Um, here's just some photos from this year. It kind of highlights the different classes. Uh, the English class and the mechanic up in the middle. You can see Will, who's been our computer teacher for the last seven years. He's starting an electronics class this semester. Uh, Kimberly, who's up in the, in the upper right, she's in, in the office. She's our new administrator. And she's actually running everything while we're here. Um, I think she's probably feeling way over her head. So if you want to pray for her for this next hour, <laughs> pray for Kimberly. And let's see. Let go. And there were some video testimonies, but I guess we didn't load them correctly. But um, I wanted you to hear some of the students say what they have experienced at the ministry. And, and Kathy was sharing, she's a second level student. She was sharing about uh, how much the ministry has helped her just learn more about God and grow. And she's thankful for the English class and the community that she's felt there. And uh, since we've been on this trip, Kathy didn't have a job when we left Honduras. Now she has a job and she's working in a customs agency and using the English that we've been teaching her for the last year. Um, and then Yvette Hernandez, same thing. She's, uh, she's a, a, what do you call it, co-student? Classmate, that's the word. She's a classmate with uh, Kathy, also a second level. And, and Yvette was actually in our program in the ministry five years ago. She was one of the first students that we had that... Um, that had been going through the process and, and, uh, and she had to get out and then she's been, she's, it's taken her five years to come back and she was so excited when she came back last year and she said, Ministeri La Voz is, is like my second home. This is where I feel the most peace and, and love and she wanted to say specifically thank you to anyone who has supported the ministry because it's changed her life uh, in such a deep way and then she also texted me last week and said that she got a job She's going to teach English to elementary students in a, in a public school. So it's, it's amazing. And then Agua Caliente is, 
is the other half of Coca Gracias. Coca Gracias is our, our nonprofit here in the States and we, it, it heavily supports Ministerio de la Voz where we work, Rina and I, um, but we also support Pastor Juan Garza who's with me in that photograph up on the corner and his ministries in Agua Caliente. He actually serves five villages all around Agua Caliente and their names are up there, Las Flores, uh, Las Pilas, Buena Vista. And we, ha- we lived with Pastor Juan in Agua Caliente uh, several years ago, we built a house up there, and one of the things we noticed was that a whole generation, this young generation, was completely overtaken and stolen by alcohol and addiction. Um, and, it, and it's kind of happening because there was generations before them that the same thing happened. Pastor Juan was even an alcoholic until a church that had been going to the mountains for five years, seven years. They've been going seven years and doing service every Sunday for seven years. And he and his wife were the only two to receive Jesus. And he received Jesus after they, after they did service seven years on his patio. And now he has a church. He's planted three churches and they have at least 60 members each. Um, and his vision is to save his mountain and see everyone come to Christ. And we were talking about this lost generation, the one we saw. And what do we do so that that doesn't keep happening? We don't want that to be the story of Agua Caliente anymore. Let's write a new story. And so our vision for 2020 is to build our second, a second center. Um, just as big as Ministerio La Voz, I, I think. And we want to reach 412 students from, from age 3 to 12 that we've identified in the, in the villages in the mountain. And start something that has the same vision, working with them, living with them, and letting them know Jesus at an early age. So that when alcohol comes knocking, they don't even want to listen to him anymore. They have something better going on. And, uh, and we're starting that in March, two days after we get home. We have our, a team coming from Indiana, and they're like our open door and our green light. God sent them to us, and they're starting. They're going to build the first two classrooms. We still need uh, 65000 after that to continue on. And, but we want to we want to see this through, and I know God does too. Um, and this is just a list of the ministries for 2020 that we're doing because we talk a lot about Ministerio de Voz. We're talking some about Agua Caliente. There are other things that go on. We have a service that meets at Ministerio de Voz, and our congregation does a pr- prison ministry, and we go to the jail four times a year, maybe five. We've been collecting uh, school supplies for them for all the all the prisoners that are going to go through high school. We're collecting notebooks as students and as staff, and we're taking them to them so that they can continue their education. Um, but if you ever come to Honduras, and Barry, maybe we should do this next time. We need a, to do worship at the jail is amazing. You've never had a worship service like that because there's people bathing behind you and washing clothes over here and getting haircuts over here and they're smoking marijuana here and they're gambling over here. And then you're praising Jesus right in the middle. And... You've never seen men just all out with their heart praise Jesus like we do in the jail. It's, it's unbelievable. Holy Spirit always touches them. We've done baptisms there too. Right next to where they're washing clothes, we're, we're baptizing somebody who came to Jesus. So, uh, that's gonna go on. We've also sponsored 12 students at, at another educational facility in San Pedro Sula. It has similar visions to Ministerio La Voz. Uh, and these students were previously sponsored by a nonprofit and they've lost their sponsorship for this, for 2020. And we knew the need and through, through a connection here at Mission Church, we've actually raised the money so they can go to school for the next two years. 
And uh, we're very thankful about that. We're going to have some mission teams this year uh, work, working in Ministerio de Vos, working in Agua Caliente. And we'd also like to, we have goals to raise some money and do some house remodeling and help some of the families around our ministry that are still getting flooded out every time the rains come. Um, and then, of course, the Agua Caliente Center. And this is just to show a quick list of how you can get involved and help. And we really want you to pray for us. Like I said, today is the first day orientation is going on right now. It's the first time that students have a connection with the ministry other than, than saying we want to come and signing up. Um, so pray for that event. Pray for Kimberly, who's running that uh, with the teachers. And then pray for us for this new semester and the project that's coming on. Um, if you ever want to donate, you can always go to our website, which is at the bottom, and donate online. Uh, PayPal also helps you do a monthly partnership. And we're really looking for monthly partners to kind of stabilize our our budgets for the year. Um, and then my the one I want is write us a letter. So if you get our newsletter in the email, hit reply. It goes right back to me. And I love hearing how you guys are doing or, you know, any ideas and any prayers that you have. Um, I love I love getting feedback so I don't feel so alone. <laughs> and then if you ever want to volunteer and teach a class, you can come with any skills that God's given you and teach seminars in Ministerio La Voz. You can bring a team. Barry's going to probably go in August and you can join Barry on the team. Um, and then also spread the word and, and share what's going on. And that's it for the slideshow. Wow, I feel like I talked a lot. Is there, is there water somewhere? That one's for me? Oh, thank you. Oh, and there's a clock there, too. I was trying to find it in first service. So I wanted to share, if you were here last year, you probably don't remember anything I said, but I talked about expectations. We were talking about um, expecting Expecting God to do the things that he says and and expect him above even our current experience because we have the word that tells us what his character is. And and I was trying to, you know, I was thinking about it because I was thinking, what did we do last year? And and then and I was thinking because that was such a good message for me, even though I was giving it to you, I was receiving it myself. And and it's so important to know God. It's so important to know who he is so that we can set the right expectations. Um. And no, and I was thinking this morning about my my friend Barry Jones, which raise your hand if Barry Jones is your friend too. I knew it. Yeah. And uh, so the first time I met, not the first time, but the first time Barry Jones invited me to to breakfast. We went to Mimi's Cafe, and and without really knowing Barry, I remember that I was really nervous going to this this breakfast meeting and and I was and I'm thinking oh you know he he might pay you know but maybe I should pay you know this and I and I was and I was worrying about this payment thing at the end and then and then Barry paid and I was like okay and then the next time I thought well I got to pay the next time cuz he paid the first time I should pay this time and then Barry paid again and then I started feeling guilty you know that he paid twice and then I thought no this third time I'm going to pay and then no he paid again and then and then I just thought, well, Barry's always going to pay. <laughs> and now I know Barry, and, and, and that's just my expectation. He goes, hey, let's go to Mimi's. And I go, okay, cool. He's going to pay. And, and actually this year, I think I said, Barry, we're going to Mimi's, right? And I, and I invited him, but I know he's going to pay, right? <laughs> if he doesn't, I'll let you know next year. <laughs> 
no pressure. <laughs> but but that's that's kind of like a, the experience, right? If, if if you don't know Barry, then then you don't know what to expect. But then when you know Barry and you and you spend time with him and you realize that Barry is probably the most generous person you'll ever meet, then you can set that expectation and it's not an offensive thing. It's just, you just know Barry. And you know that he's going to do that and, and you can count on that. And and that's how I believe God wants us to grow in our experience with him. He wants us to know him so intimately that the things that are on his heart and the things that he loves to do, we just expect him to be doing those in our lives. And... Um, and so I wanted to share some verses and share a little bit of experience. This, this happened in 2017, I guess, or 2018, sorry. Um, but it's been a process going through the last few years, what God has been showing me. Um, but 2018, with the Toyota, and it had these doors that didn't quite shut all the way. And at one point, driving home from the ministry, I lost my, my backpack. I lost my, my man purse. And... Uh, I don't use a purse. I use a backpack. But everything that I think a woman puts in her purse... Well, no, not everything. I don't know how women put so much stuff in their purses. Because I have a backpack and I don't get quite that much stuff. But everything that was important was in there. You know, papers for the ministry. Um, you know, my stuff for the school. Um, my Bibles. My prayer journals. Um, my cell phone. You know, chargers. All that sort of thing. My computer is usually in there for whatever. That, that day, I put the computer next to the backpack. So... Uh, my backpack fell out of the car and someone stole it. Couldn't find it again. We, we looked everywhere and we did this huge investigation and, and it was just like, oh, your backpack's gone. It's Honduras, right? You never get anything back. People just, you know, they're going to take it and it's gone. And, but we were praying as a community and I was praying, of course, and, and our service was praying that, that somehow God was going to do a miracle and bring this back. And I remember thinking, so we had, we had uh, sign, our sign-up money ministry money was in the backpack too because Karen who was a ministry at the time said we got too much money take it somewhere safe get it out of the ministry and I had it in transition it was in my backpack and so all that money was in there too and I just thought oh man that's gone and so when I prayed I was praying for God to get my Bibles back get my prayer journals back get you know uh, the papers back all these things that I'm remembering what's in the bag and then and then but when I got to the money I thought oh that's probably already gone and I didn't pray for the money, and I didn't pray for my cell phone, but and and, and I but I thought everything else, you know, God, just give me everything else. And then I remember at one point my prayer was not if He was going to get me the bag back. I was, it had already been almost a week, and I said, okay, God, when am I getting my bag back? And the thought that popped in my head was Friday, and I thought, okay, Friday, good. Today's Thursday, and then next day I'm going to get my bag. It'll be awesome. And so all Friday, I'm really excited, and I didn't tell anybody, of course, because I don't want people to think I'm crazy, but I'm thinking, okay, this is the day I get my bag, right? And, and I go to class, and I'm thinking, you know, and I'm imagining, how's it going to be? How am I going to get it? Are, are gonna, someone's just going to walk in. They're going to be like, oh, I found this, or, you know, by the way, I don't know. But I'm waiting, and nothing happens. We finish class. I go home, and, uh, and I'm thinking, man, well, that was, I mean, it's Friday, right? And then I thought, oh, I know what you're doing, God. You're doing what you usually do. You're waiting till the last minute. And Friday ends at 11.59 p.m. Okay. So I'm thinking, all right, 11.59 p.m. No, that makes sense. You know, no one wants to walk through the ministry and let me see their face. They'll, they'll throw the bag over the, the wall, maybe. 
And uh, so I was on my phone where we have the, the cameras. So at 11.59, I'm checking my phone, and I'm thinking, okay, and I'm like, I'm like watching the patio, thinking my bag's going to appear. And then it didn't appear. <laughs> 12.30 came, no bag, and I'm like, okay, I'm tired. And I'm thinking, all right, so it wasn't Friday, and I have no idea what God's doing, but I'm tired. And I went to bed. We did the rest of the, the next week. And then, and then that following week was Angie's seventh, seventh birthday? Seventh birthday, and we had a big party. And I'm driving around picking up, picking up uh, family members. And someone calls me and says, are you Brian Rourke? We have this bag and we found your business card in there and, and we want you, we want to give it back to you. Come downtown, uh, meet us at Burger King, you know, and we'll, and we'll give it to you. And I'm like, okay. And then they hang up and they didn't tell me, they didn't want to tell me their name or anything. And it's kind of shady. So all my friends and family, like, they're like, we'll go with you. And they're going to be my bodyguards. Right. And. And it was just like a movie, you know, we're in Burger King and I'm calling the phone to see who, who answers. Oh, it's that guy. And then we found them and then they get up and they go, they go, the bag's not here. We'll take you to it. And they walk us all through downtown and then we get to this alleyway and I'm like, look, you know, my, and my, uh, my mother-in-law's with me and she's a big lady. So I'm thinking, I'm glad she's with me. She'll protect me. And we're walking down this alley, we walk up this flight of stairs that's totally shady, like one light bulb on a little string, you know, and, and I'm like, where are we going? And my heart's pounding, and then sure enough, we get to like a TV station or studio in this weird office that no one knows exists, and they give me my backpack back. And they go, yeah, go through it and check, and you know, I checked and then, you know, had to pay them some reward, and I'm thinking, you guys are probably the ones that stole it from me in the first place, and I'm paying them, and, and then I prayed for them. And then uh, we went home, and I'm looking through my bag, and everything I prayed for was there. And everything I didn't pray for was gone. And, uh, and I remember, but I, and I didn't really focus on I was just so thankful to get my backpack, thankful to get my Bibles, thankful to the prayer journals. And I remember praying and thanking God and saying, thank you for this miracle. Thank you for bringing this and that. And then the Holy Spirit stopped me and said, you know, Brian, you could have asked me for the money, too. And it was at that moment when I really noticed, yeah, everything that I prayed for was there and everything else was gone. And there was one, there was a, a CD, uh, what do you call it? A DVD player thing that I had to plug into my computer. I had forgotten it was in my bag. And so it was gone. I didn't pray for it because I didn't remember it was there and it was gone. And those were the only items missing. And the Holy Spirit just showed me that the only reason was because my faith was too small. I had faith to pray for my Bibles and my journals and, and you know, all this other stuff. But I didn't have the faith to pray for the, for the money. But God is a big enough God that he could have done that one too. And I should have prayed for it. Um, but through the, so that was one lesson. Where my expectations or what I believe that God is capable of doing, it should supersede what I see in the physical or what I believe you know, is in his reach. It's, it's always beyond. It's always above. Um, who can stop the Lord Almighty, right? And, but through this process, there was this verse that God kept giving to me. Because I'm like, God, we're, it's not the first time we've been robbed. It's not, you know, this, it, it was happening at the beginning of the ministry and trying to start things. We were robbed several times by our closest students and we lost everything and we still get to go. And I was just thinking, God, what is going on? And the verse that he put in my heart was Romans 8:28. God works, to, works everything together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And we always hear that verse. 
And I've heard the verse and I memorized it, but it never meant anything to me until I'm actually living it. And I'm thinking, I need to see the good. I need to see this come out in some other way. And, you know, and I wasn't really stressed about the money because, I mean, yeah, I was. Okay, I was a little stressed about the money, but I knew God has provided before. He, he should provide again. And, and it was just waiting and, and just repeating this verse over and over to me. This is who God is. This is who God is. And then God stopped me again. And he said, you're reading the verse wrong, Brian. He goes, I want you to read it this way. And he says, I want you to read, God works, works everything together for better for those who serve him, or for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And he changed the word good to better. And I, and I never bothered to look it up in the Greek and see if, you know, a mistranslation or anything. But this is the Holy Spirit talking to me and saying, I want you to read it this way, Brian. And he said, it's not, it's not about making good. It's about making better. Making good is, is, is one to one. It's like if, if, if Satan steals this, I'm going to give you that back. No, because I'm not, I'm not on Satan's level. I'm bigger than Satan. And I'm always going to do a one up on him. And, and he was showing me that, that the economy of the Lord, he's, it's like that, right? God says that in the kingdom, you, you plant a seed and, and you don't get one to one for your seed. You don't get one seed back because you plant, you plant one seed, you get a thousand seeds. You get a forest. Um, there's exponential growth in God's kingdom. And in his character, it's the same way. So he was telling me, expect better, Brian. And then we did. We saw it. We got more than enough, more than we needed, more than we lost to cover the, the ministry in the semester that year. Um, but then at that same time, we had also lost a sewing machine. And the sewing machine was something that we had been praying for for years. And then finally we were able to buy this, this embroidery machine. And it had been sitting in San Diego. Someone was going to bring it down to us. And we were all excited. The, the sewing class is thrilled. And then the sewing machine got lost in Mexico and stolen in Mexico. I was like, oh. and so I'm learning this and we get my backpack back and, I, and I'm reading Romans 8:28 and better. And I said, OK, God, well, here's another situation. Where's the better? I want to see the better in this. And I just that's all I said, you know, and life went on and, and months went by. But then one day I get this call from a lady that I've never met from Kansas City where I've never been. And she says, Brian, we've heard about your ministry. And I just want to know that we're so excited. And my Bible study has been raising money for you guys. And, you know, it's on our hearts. We really want to buy you a sewing machine. And I'm like, really? And she goes, yeah, we don't, we don't want to buy just one. We want to buy six sewing machines. And I thought, yeah, six is better. <laughs> and it was so exciting. To have that news and then to share the testimony and, and, and get the ministry involved. And then we, so we anticipated getting the six machines. We got those last year. And then the same thing happened with, uh, with our vehicle purchase this year. Just, you know, we, we raised the money. We had a person who said they were going to sell their used vehicles to us. Um, a 2008 and a 2012 van, and we were, and we were so excited about it. Coca Gracias raised the money. Maybe some of you helped in that campaign. And then the day that I was like, we got the money, we can buy the vehicles. The guy goes, I can't sell them anymore. My bosses won't let me. And, and it was like all the confirmations that we had, it was just, they flew out the window. And I, 
and, and, and I was looking at the situation, I'm thinking, do I get discouraged? And I felt the anxiety coming up because I'm thinking, all these people just donated, they want to see a picture of a van, and now I have no van to take a picture of, what do we do? And, and then I thought, you know what, this is another situation. And I said, God, we just, those were supposed to be our vans, and now they're gone, they're stolen from us, so where's the better? I want to see the better. And, uh, and you just saw them in the slides. We got better. We got a 2017 bus, and we got a 2017 Mitsubishi. And the side testimony is, is that two years ago, 2017, I prayed that God would give me a Mitsubishi L200 4x4 twin cab, uh, and, and I wanted the color white, which isn't even my favorite color, but I prayed for that. And when we were negotiating, it was, uh, the guy was trying to sell me a gray Mitsubishi. And then the day we went to the lot to see the cars, he goes, oh, I sold that. But I got another one. Don't worry. And he shows me a white L200 4x4 twin cab 2017 Mitsubishi color, white color that looked exactly like the one I prayed for. And, uh, and those are the vehicles we're driving now. So it's just this process of seeing God's better. And, and as, I was, as I was learning this with him, he took me also to John 14. And that's where I want to read with you today. John 14 is a chapter that many of us know. It's, it's right as God's, Jesus is, is, it's his final moments. You know, he goes to the garden after this and he gets arrested and then, he's, and then he dies on the cross. It's the last time that he's talking to his disciples. And, and you know, if I was in his shoes, I'd be feeling... I, I feel like, you know, right before I'm leaving to go to the States in Ministerio La Voz, and I'm trying to tell everybody that, I, you know, everything I think they need to remember and know before I'm not there anymore. And, um, and he's talking with his disciples, and he says in verse 2, John 14, 2, In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And then Thomas says, well, we don't know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus says to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I'm going to switch it up. So let's pause there. Everyone know that passage? And, and you know the mansions? Where, where do you think he's going? Where do, what is your interpretation? I've always interpreted that he's going to heaven, right? And that's what I've heard many people preach on. Jesus is going to heaven and he's preparing heaven for us. And one day he's going to come back and he's going to, and he's going to take us home with him. And, you know, and, and the disciples were hoping for that really soon. And then, and then now it's been 2,000 years and maybe it'll be another 2,000 years. I don't know. Um, is that the way you've interpreted it? Raise your hand. Don't be shy. I, I did too. I'm just wondering. Okay. And uh, anyway, so reading this with Romans 8.28, God changed the way that I was looking at it. And he said, you know, the way you understand the passage is, 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 it depends on where you believe Jesus is going. And there's some few verses further on that I want to read, and then I want to explain why my view changed. So verse 19 says, a little while longer. So he's still in the same conversation. He's talking about the Father. And he's talking about what their experience is going to be like. You know, uh, uh, verse 14, it says, If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Um, verse 12, he says, He who believes in me, greater works he will do because I'm going to my Father. Um, and then verse 19, he says, A little while longer, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, 
you will live also. And that day you will know that I am in my Father, that you are in me, and that I am in you. And he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him. And I will manifest myself to him. Um, And then if you read verse 23, it says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. And then verse 30, he talks a little bit more. And then verse 30, he goes, again, we got to go. We got to go because Satan's coming. I don't want him to hear the plan. And, and, and it's like God is here talking with his disciples last moment. And he's sharing this, this plan. He's telling them the whole divine secret, the whole divine conspiracy that has been formed since the beginning of time. And what I believe that Jesus was telling them was not that he's going to heaven and talking about his second coming. He's talking about going to the cross. And what happens after the cross? Because that was the point of his ministry. He said, this is the hour, right? This is the hour. This is the reason I came. And he's going to the cross at this point. So when you read it, it changes everything thinking about the cross. Um, That word mansions that comes in the beginning is the same word that they use for home in verse 23. And Jesus is really saying, I'm going to go to the cross in a few minutes. And I just got to tell you guys what this is going to do, what this means. And he says, in a little while, you're not going to see me. The world's not going to see me. Why? They're going to put me in a tomb. I'm going to die. But then in a little while, you will see me. Because why? Because I'm going to raise again. And, and, and he says, and then on that day, you will know. You will know what? You will know that I am in my father and that you are in me and I am in you. That we become one. That's our experience, this side of the cross. That's how we live with, with God. And, and he's giving them these clues. And he says, and I can't let Satan know. He thinks he's killing me, right? He thinks he's going to win. And I'm about to do a better on him. And if you think about it, back in the garden in, in, with Adam and Eve, they had this paradise experience with God. What we often say was, was perfect, right? They hadn't sinned yet. Um, Jesus or God would visit them in the cool of the afternoon, the cool of the day. He'd walk with them. They talked with them face to face. But if you read the Genesis story, there were often moments when God left them. He would walk with them in the afternoon. But what about the morning? In the morning, God was wherever God goes and does, you know, maybe another planet with another bunch of humans. I don't know. And then he'd come back and he'd visit with Adam and Eve again, right? And, and their experience was this visitational experience. And we know that Satan was visiting them in the between times and he's and he's talking to them and he's and he's and he's putting seeds of doubt. And then, of course, they had the fall and everything was stolen. The authority that God had given them was stolen and the and the connection that they had with God was stolen. But God, for all of eternity, for all our time has been has been already. I'm not going to let it stay. We're going to make it better. We're going to one up that. And so what is it? When I die on the cross, sin is no longer an issue. I pay for all of that. And we imperfection is restored. Not because of you being perfected, but because I'm perfect. And, and you're clothed with Christ. And he comes and he makes his home in you. We preach that salvation message all the time. That's John 14. In a little while you will not see me, but then but, or the world will not see me, but then you will see me. 
And on that day, you will know that I am in my Father and that I am in you and you are in me. The many, in my Father's house, there are many abodes. There are many homes where he can abide. And it's not in heaven. It's, they're sitting right here. It's all of you. It's me. We are the abode of, of Christ. His Holy Spirit lives in us. And it is so much better, a thousand times better, because there is no misconnection. I mean, there's no moment that God is not with you anymore. He's not a visitational like it was in the garden in paradise. It's actually, it's actually habitation. We're already in him. We're already in the divine with him right now. And he's done that better. And it's for all eternity. And it can never be stolen again. It can never be reversed. It is that good. And Jesus, Jesus wanted me to see this is my character. This is, this is who I am. And my expectation should be up to that. And I should know that God is the God of better. And he will always do better than what is stolen from me and what is taken. Because he's been that way since the beginning of time. And that was on my heart to share with you guys. I don't know where you're at or what's going on. But you, you are loved by a God who, who does better and will always do better. And you can, you can pray into that. He says, ask anything in my name and you will receive it. So pray for the better and have that faith. Right? So God bless you and thank you for the time. Thank you for having us here in Mission Church again. Yeah.